awesome. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Twig is actually, well, in a previous life was a uh, rapper. Uh, every now and then it comes out, as you saw with that rhyme, incredible. Um, one thing you may also not know is that uh, Father's Day, behind the scenes, is a much coveted uh, day for, for um, pastors to preach. Uh, that's why in the last few years you've, you've seen a, a big influx of uh, pastors having kids because uh, it's all really to get to today and, and somehow I managed to win out and I'm here today. Jono actually, I think he was trying to, to get my spot. He had a, had a kid two weeks ago, but because uh, he already has one, I uh, trumped him. So here we are, which is good. It's great. Uh, and it's, it's, also, um, it's awesome actually to be talking on Father's Day about uh, Jesus, about God. And in fact, there's something incredible about um, um, the way that God wants to be known. Um, and it is as Father. Um, Jesus actually comes as the Son of God. Uh, the way that he talks uh, to God, uh, to his heavenly Father, is addressed as Father. And so there's, there is something powerful that God is wanting us to know about our relationship to him, and there's something powerful that Jesus is wanting to reveal to us about what we can step into. Um, I was actually reading earlier this week um, a, uh, a few different, um, this is, I, I don't even know why I started saying this. This is just gonna come back to bite me. I was reading poetry, okay. Um, uh, and Willi anyway, this 19th century poet, William Wordsworth, uh, this is what he says. I thought it was actually quite incredible, very uh, exactly uh, where I think we're going here is, this is what he says, Father, to God himself, we cannot give a holier name. Uh, and that's a big statement. I, mean, I don't know what you, you think about when you think of God. Um, uh, maybe power, maybe uh, control, uh, you know, fill in the blank. But to say that Father is the holiest name that we can give him. Uh, that's a huge, huge statement. And, and I think it is in line actually with, with what we see here in scripture. And so we're gonna turn to John 14, verses six to 15. That's what we're gonna look at. Jesus is speaking uh, here to his disciples. And this is, this is how he starts. It should come up on the screen if you, if you don't um, have it up on your devices. Uh, this is what he says. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, one of the disciples said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything 
in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. This was Jesus' words to his disciples 2,000 years ago. It's Jesus' words to us this very evening. And Jesus is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. And he's very clear here uh, what he's on about. And what he's on about is revealing his Father to us, to get us to see and know and become like his Father, just as Jesus is like his Father. The eternal Son, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And in being sent by his Father, he comes to earth, becomes human for one express purpose, that we may know his Father and in knowing him, enter into the same relationship that he has with his Father. This is why the Father sent his Son, because he wants us to enter into the same relationship that he has always had with his son. He to us as father and we to him as children. Father, it's the holiest name that we can give to God. But what what does it mean? What does father mean? We can only know the, the full definition of it if someone who knows him completely reveals him to us, if he, if he makes a way for us to experience him as our father, unless we experience him as our father, we will not come to know truly what father means. There are actually many understandings of what a father is. There's probably as many understandings of what it means to be a father as there are people on earth. Everyone's got a different experience, but there's one father who never changes and who is the definition of what a father should be. And in fact, he is the eternal father. And that is who Jesus comes to reveal to us. And what is the kind of relationship that he wants to invite us into? It's a father-child relationship. And and this relationship cannot be defined adequately by any human parent-child relationship. It can only be defined by the relationship that the eternal son has with his father. And it's for this reason why Jesus was sent. For this reason he came. Jesus comes not only to define what that relationship is, Um, is so that we can look on and go, wow, how incredible is that relationship that he has with his father? But he's come to invite us into that very same relationship to define the way for us to become eternal children. Jesus is the way. So we're gonna see how this relationship is defined for us. And we're gonna do, we're gonna look at three things here tonight, Um, we're, we're gonna look at how this relationship between the Father and the Son defines for us what love is, what life is, and then how that love and that life is open for us 
to step into. So love, life, and the way, the way into the divine relationship as children. So how does the, the father define, the, the, the relationship between the father and son define for us what love is? Jesus actually defines the love that his father has for him. Only he can tell us, only he can show us. And the love that he has for him, he says to us, is the same love that his father has for us. And the way he shows us this is by loving us the same way that his father loves him. This is what Jesus does. When we see how Jesus loves us, we begin to know how the father has always loved him and how he loves us too. 1 John 3.16 says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Romans 5.8 says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The love that is being demonstrated is the Father's love for his children. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, comes into the flesh to demonstrate to us the Father's love. The eternal Son is the perfect image of the invisible God. Jesus himself actually tells us on numerous occasions that he doesn't do anything except what the Father is doing, what his Father is doing. In our passage tonight, we actually read, it is the Father, this is Jesus speaking, it is the Father who lives in me that is doing the works. The Father has always been giving of himself to his Son, literally giving his very self not giving things to his son, but giving his actual self, pouring himself into his son. And the son loves the father by receiving his father's self-giving nature. And in receiving it, he only acts according to his father's nature because he loves who his father is. The father doesn't give to his son partially. He doesn't give sparingly, but he is always giving all of who he is and his son is always receiving all of who his father is. In fact, this is the definition of a son that Jesus gives us, to be always receiving from the father, receiving his very nature, when we, when we see this, uh, we can start to draw parallels, um, partial parallels uh, that, that we can see in our normal everyday lives. In fact, the children, uh, uh, children that we normally encounter, uh, they, they model this idea quite well. Uh, they, they seem to have their senses wide open. That's what children, children are. They, they seem to have um, everything open. Um, to take in, their eyes are open, their hands are open, they just, they just seem to want to experience all that there is of life. They're, they're like sponges, uh, but they're better than sponges, they're children. Um, no, but, but, but really, the, the, 
Because to be a child means that they receive the nature of things, not, not just the things themselves. They, they, they wanna get behind. It's just intuitive to them to want to get behind uh, uh, the things themselves, to take on the nature. I mean, as I, um, I'm learning now, uh, as I make facial expressions, as I uh, make sounds towards my own son, Andy, um, I'm, I communicate my delight um, in him. I, I, I do some things that I would never do in public. Um, but, but what I see in him is as I'm doing this, his eyes are just wide open, taking in everything that I'm giving him. And all of a sudden, he just lights up with joy. It's, it's like he's taken on the very nature that I have. My delight in him is taken in and it, and it bubbles up into joy. He's not thinking of receiving my nature. It is the nature of a child to be open to receiving. And it just seems to become part of him. He, he takes it in and then he mirrors it back. I remember my parents doing something similar when, when I was a kid. Uh, uh, back in the day, uh, pre-COVID, uh, they used to uh, pass an offering bucket around in church and uh, you, you would put, put money in uh, uh, that you just sensed uh, uh, you wanted to give um, out, uh, out, of, out of a sense of um, this, this is the community that, that God is wanting to build up and uh, you're wanting to be a part of this community and to support this community. Um, and anyway, my, my parents, uh, they, the, the offering bucket, bucket would come around on a Sunday and what they would always do is they would just give me like, uh, you know, a couple of dollars or something. And then the offering bucket, bucket would come around, they'd put the money in and then I'd be expected to put the money in after them, uh, which obviously did happen. I, um, I did put the money in. Uh, I, I can't say that my mind was there, uh, but, but, but that was something that I did. And and it took me a while to realize that the thing that they were giving me was not actually the money. They didn't really care about giving me the money. What they wanted was for me to take in their nature, uh, their, their generosity. And, and that is a picture, I guess. It's partial, but it's a picture that this is the love of a father towards their son is that they long for their child to experience the life that they know, the truth that they know. And this is what we see in Jesus. All he ever does is in line with the Father because he knows his Father is good. When Jesus gives himself up for us, he is mirroring the Father's love. He is fixated on his father, always open to receive who he is. And so what Jesus demonstrates to us when he gives himself up for us while we were still against him is that that is what the father's love has always been. That is what the father has always been towards us, self-giving, giving of himself for us so that we may know and experience his love, know and experience the life and the nature that he has. The Father's love is for us. This is how we know love. Christ died for us while we were still sinners to reconcile us to God. 
to the Father as children. This relationship reveals love to us. It reveals as well life, what what life is at its core. Jesus has always been the son of God and so he's always been a child of God. And, And what's incredible about him is that when he becomes human, he reveals what it means to be a child of God for us as well. What we see in him, he calls us into. Jesus doesn't know anything other than receiving all of who the Father is. All the time. It's his delight. If God is life, then to always know and experience him as self-giving is eternal life. To always be open to him. Jesus knows and experiences this. He is eternal life because he always receives from his Father. And so what what would it look like to be a human? In in, in layman's terms, I guess, what would it look like to, to live in such a way that you were always open to receiving what the Father has? And Jesus shows this to us. He reveals to us a human life that is constantly receiving and mirroring who his father is. When we look at the gospels, we see that Jesus knows that his father isn't holding out on him. The life he lives is very different to what we see around us because it's characterized by the fact that his father is always dishing out life in abundance. It means that he can sleep in the middle of a raging storm. It means he is not worried about how or what or where he's gonna get his next meal. He's not worried about what he's going to wear, where he's going to sleep. It means He can give out to people who have lost all hope in themselves, turning them to hope in their Father in heaven. It means he never holds a grudge. He forgives freely. He feeds thousands from, humanly speaking, meager provisions because he knows the provision of his Father. It means that he can give everything that his father gives him. Even his own human will, he offers up to his father. Jesus can give everything because that is what he sees his father doing. Jesus even gives his very body for us, subjected to suffering and death to reveal the love of his father and to make a way for us to have eternal life as children of God, to live as he lives. He's showing us the life. This is what he wants for us. Always to receive from the father and to mirror him, to look like Jesus. Jesus shows us what freedom looks like. He's completely free to live. 
No externals can change the fact that his father is always there for him, is always giving for him. Even suffering and death cannot change that fact. The resurrection proves that his trust in always receiving from his father is justified. It's true that his father is never withholding anything from him. See, this is true of Jesus. Jesus reveals this. But all that Jesus ever seems to want to do is for us to know that this is the reality he wants for us. For all people. He was making a way for all people to enter into the reality of being a child of God. To continually receive eternal life from the Father. A life that's not swayed or affected by the winds and waves of this world, but that is steadfast. And so if this is what he wants to communicate to us, his love he's revealed his life he longs for us to have, how does he open it up for us? What is the way? How does he define the way for us? And the good news of the kingdom of God is that the eternal father and son have only ever done everything that is required for us to enter into this love. Everything that they've done is for us to come into the reality that he wants us as his children. He's never been holding anything back from us. He's never been holding himself from us and yet we have been against him. Instead of receiving his nature, we receive things from him and then reappropriate them for our own purposes. I, I see that perhaps in myself as a child, as, as the offering bucket is coming past, my heart, my parents' heart is for me to receive their nature, to be like them, to know that when, when they give that money to me, um, they're, they're not trying to force something upon me. All they want me to do is to enter into the joy that they know. And yet, in my heart, I may not see that. In my heart, I might see a religious routine. In my heart, I might see um, them enforcing something on me. Why can't I spend this on the things that I want? And yet they know that that spending in that way is, is the best way that they know of to impart their very nature to me. And yet if I'm closed off to it, I do not receive it. And yet Jesus comes to reconcile us back to God, to turn us back towards him so that we can know the truth about who he is and be open to receiving him, to receive his very nature, his spirit into our lives. And what we see is that without Jesus, there is no effective forgiveness of sins. Without Jesus, we, we can never come to see God as loving us in a way that is completely self-giving, that, that longs to wipe away sins, 
that longs for us to have a clean slate just so that we can be with him, just so that we can see him as he is and experience his nature. Without Jesus, we could claim to be forgiven by God. We, we could even claim that, that God loves us, but there would be no resolute assurance. There would still be an underlying anxiety. What Jesus does makes forgiveness effective. He doesn't come to create a new way for God to love us. God has always loved us since the foundation of the world. He doesn't create a new way for God to give to us. God has always been giving of himself for us. Jesus, in fact, only gives of himself for us because that is the reality that he sees the Father doing. Jesus came because we need changing. And he will do everything required to turn us back to him, to our Father. And it starts with forgiveness of sins. Of, of everything that we have ever done against him, um, uh, he longs to wipe clean. He, he, he doesn't hold or count things against us. He wants us to know for sure that there is no record keeping with our Father. Only a resolute love that longs for us to turn to him and know life in him. Jesus came so that we would have a way to be freed from the lie that the Father doesn't love us. To be freed from the lie that he is a harsh Father who, who maybe allows pain and suffering arbitrarily. To believe that he's a Father who holds back on us to be freed from the, the twisted heart that believes that, that we can appropriate from him what he freely gives to us. Jesus knows that nothing short of his father's very nature is life. And so he's left nothing undone to enable our hearts to come back towards him to receive his nature. He came because he knows that in forgiving our sins, in clearing the slate, in breaking the lie that we perhaps have believed of who God is, in doing that we can come to know our Father for who he truly is and be open to receive from him all that he is. To receive him is eternal life. And he wants to show us that. Jesus is the way. And uh, I, I just wanna clarify something because I think um, we, we can say we know him as the way and we can know him very well as the way, but it's sort of like a, um, when, we're, when we're looking to get directions to somewhere and we, and we punch the address of where we're wanting to go in the GPS and it plots out the directions. 
uh, we can go, that's awesome. And instead of hitting start, we hit directions and we study the directions and we can know exactly how to get to a place and all the things that need to be done. And yet it will just remain away until we step out, until we actually go into the way, go on the way, step out the door and start the journey. Anything Jesus ever calls us to do is straight from our Father who loves us. And He only has life for us. He knows where you're at. He knows what currently is going on in your heart. And he's on about making us into children who are truly confident in who he is, who are free from the worries of this world, who are free from the lies and the fear of this world. This is all that he wants to move us into. He is the way and he is calling us to himself. And this is why Jesus is very clear about our need to listen to what he says. Because until we listen to him, we'll not come to truly know who he is. We'll not come to truly know his love for us. Not only that, that it, it, it's not that he loves us if we do things. I, I just wanna be clear about that. But it's, it's that, it's, it's like we can't know it to be true until we, we walk in it. We can only ever experience the divine life that he has to the extent that we walk in it. Think, think of Peter, right? Peter, um, he, he's, he's in the boat. Jesus is walking on water. Jesus calls him out, come. Peter, Peter can know uh, everything he, he needs to know about um, the impossibility of walking on water. He can know the fact that Jesus is walking on water in front of him, but he will never come to experience the, the actual reality that Jesus is experiencing until he steps out when Jesus calls him. Jesus knows that to receive from the Father is to align himself with the Father in what he is doing. Jesus is perfectly aligned with his Father and, and as a human being, he actually shows us the way to continually receive eternal life, to receive the spirit of the Father as he does. Um, Jesus speaks in this way. In fact, in fact the, 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 the apostles speak in this way. Uh, this, is, this is what he says further down in John 14, uh, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. And this is, this is not that, that he will only love you when you do the commands, it's that he always loves you. But there's something about us that cannot come into that reality if we are turned from him and his call to obedience is to turn our hearts so that we can receive and know the love that he has for us. Again, in verses 23 and 24, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. 
Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Peter and the apostles in Acts 5 um, say this, that God has given the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. The writer of Hebrews, Jesus became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. This is not a reward system. Uh, we get mixed up here because I, I think that's, that's, that's how we seem to operate. You know, do this and, and I'll give you a, um, a Kit Kat. Uh, my son didn't give me a Kit Kat this morning. I'm still sore. But, but this is not the love of God. This is not how God operates. He doesn't work based off of you do this, then I'll give you something. He only ever asks us to do things because he knows that in doing them, our hearts will be turned towards him to receive all that he has for us. All he wants is for us to experience and know his love. The way of Jesus is clear. If we fix our eyes on him, as we look at him, as we read about him, as we gather together and we talk about him, as we sing praises, as we worship, we begin to see more of the divine nature of love, of goodness, of faith, of trust, of the humility of Jesus. We begin to see more of life itself. But do not only look at it. It will only remain a way and less of a reality in our lives until we begin to step out of the front door and get going. Begin to follow him where he is. Begin to know how that divine nature would work itself out in your own life practically. And then come alongside Jesus get to know him in those spaces. This is what is so incredible actually about baptism is that Jesus calls us to it. It's not some arbitrary thing that he's calling us to. It's because he longs for us to experience his love and his life. This is a powerful thing that, that we're called to do. And, and, and this, listen to this, what Jordan um, said as, as God started to speak to her. Um, uh, this verse came to her, and which, which was highlighted from, from, from a, a much younger time in her life. Philippians 1 verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that Jesus began a good work in you and will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And this is what she said. God was telling me through this passage that once I had given my life to him, I wouldn't be magically changed into a holy person that didn't sin, but as I keep my eyes on him, he is faithful to me and will help me to learn to love with all that I am and resist the world. She goes on, baptism had never been on my mind before, but after hearing what God has done in both my friends and in strangers through their baptism, God had put it on my heart for it to be the next step in my journey with him. This is the incredible thing that God is wanting to call us into, to experience all that he has for us. All he has is love for us. As we start to follow him as he calls us, you will 
actually start to see things changing in your life. Sure, when, when, inevitably you will get to a point where you're asking questions as people in the Bible did, as they were following Jesus and then they came to Jesus. Questions like, who is my neighbor? Is it wise to, to keep loving in this situation? How many times must I forgive? Won't I just be taken advantage of? How far am I meant to go? And as we wrestle with these things, Jesus will meet us in these places. Jesus' answer to us, the way he sets before us is to consider him so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's look at him, at his divine nature, his love. Let's think on him as he takes one more step towards that cross for us. He's not a hard taskmaster. All he is ever doing is offering us more of himself. As we take just one step as he calls us in love for him and in love for others, see if he will not prove to you that he will give you his very spirit his very self, as you open yourself up to him through obedience and receive him. Receive more, the more that he is wanting to constantly pour over us. Jesus doesn't call us to change our hearts. Uh, Only he can do that. But what he does call us to do is to follow him in what he is doing. Follow him in what is good and right and loving, and that the very doing of these things is not crediting it to ourselves, but is putting faith in him. As we see his nature, as we see that it's good, as we see his love and we go, I want that, I long for that. As we align ourselves with him and we ask him, make that a reality in my life. See if he will not do it. He will change our hearts so that the very life that the Father has will begin to flow through us as naturally as breathing in and out. Jesus says, these are the two commandments, to love God and love others. He knows that we need to know his love for us. He knows that 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 even if it's just a glimpse that God is good, that will begin to open up our hearts. This is why he has come. This is why he has died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins to show that there is nothing between us and him. Can we see him? Can we see his goodness? He calls us to love him and to know that love that he has for us because he knows that as we, as we follow him, as we start to enter into the spaces that he's in, we will find that loving people can be hard. It's costly. It, it, it costs our very selves. Jesus shows us that. And he's saying the first step has to be that you love him, that you come to know his love for you, that you know that, that you come to see his nature as good, 
that you long for it to be a reality in your life, for you to walk in the freedom that he has. And if you love Jesus, if you love what you see in him, if you love that he loves you, if you love that he loves all people and that he can give himself completely for all, that he lives without a worry, that he is completely confident in his heavenly father, if you accept that for yourself, if you long for that to be a reality for you, that know that that is the very thing that he is offering, to pour his love into our hearts. And he will do it. If you love him, if you see him as good, if you desire to be like him, then follow him in what he calls you to and he will do it. It is his promise to you. He will remove from you the heart of stone and replace it with his very heart. As we begin to do this as individuals, as we begin to do this as a community, we will find more and more, this is already happening, This is an encouragement. We will find that we have more and more of a genuine affection, not not only for the people within these four walls, but beyond. People who previously we may have considered our enemies. And that affection will be something that we cannot have manufactured. A desire to do what is good that was not there before, perhaps. You will know, we will know that we are partaking of the divine nature, as Peter says. Knowing his love for you will begin to compel you. If you see it and you long for it, then follow in it. We can know the Father more and more as we step into aligning ourselves to the divine, divine child, to Jesus. It's what he longs for us to be children, to know truly that we are children. We read this at the start, uh, but here's the rest of it. 1 John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters to continue to receive all that he has for us, his love so that it it doesn't stop at us but flows through us and, and the magnitude of it can be known and experienced by us. To not follow through in this is to actually grab onto perishable things like, like me and the, and the coins, to, to not follow through in, in wanting to take on my parents' nature. It stifles the process. To believe in Jesus is to accept all of who he is to accept that he is life, that he is good, that he is right, and that you would like his nature to be a reality in your life.
To accept Jesus is to follow him as he leads you. In imaging the divine love of the Father. To accept him is to identify yourself as a brother and sister of him, a child of his father, a child of your heavenly father. This is what he longs for each one of us to know in increasing measure. Will you open your heart to him more? Let's do that. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. It's because you have loved us uh, that we're even here. It's because you long for us to have life that we are alive right now. And we want to know the fullness of what you have for us. We want to know your life. You've given it to us. You're not holding it back from us. We've turned our hearts towards you and we've received confirmation and the seal that you are for us, that you have removed our sins from us. As we, as we call on you, you are faithful. Your love is steadfast. We look to you, Jesus. We believe on you. You are the one who has saved us from our sins. And we wanna know what it means to be a child. We, we know it in part, but we wanna know the fullness. We wanna see our lives living more and more in the freedom that we see you living as you walk this earth, as you reveal to us what you're calling us into. We wanna see more and more of your love work itself out in us individually and in our community. Father, we commit ourselves to you. We long for you. It's the deepest desire of our heart. We want to know you more. Lead us, lead us. Find in us a people who are ready, who, who are ready to move into all that you have for us. You're so much more willing and ready to lavish your love out upon us. In fact, you have done that. You have done that. And so we wanna experience that. We, wanna, we want that not to just be an experience that we take in, but that becomes a part of us. Pour out your spirit on us. We need you. We need you. Thank you that you call us sons and daughters. May we know all, may we come to know more and more what that truly means in our everyday lives in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna sing a final song um, and, and, and this song talks about being a child of God. So, so take this time to just to allow yourself to know the Father's love. Know that He loves you. I love, I love what Twig always says. He is the best dad in the world. In fact, He defines what a dad should be. 
and He is good and He loves you. Allow yourself to know that. Allow yourself to know that through Jesus, to know the extent that He has gone for you. And as, and as you allow that to come over you when, you, when you sing that you're a child of God, long for the fullness of that to become a reality in your life. You are a child, but long for the fullness of the reality to be known that you would be able to step out and come to know things that you had not known before, that you see in Jesus, but perhaps you don't see in your own life. He longs for that to be a reality for you. So let's do that. Let's stand together. And as we worship, commit your hearts to following Him. If there's something that He's calling you to do, commit even then, right now while you're worshiping, to doing the very thing that He's calling you to. Let's do that. i yeah. 
We're going to sing that out again. In that bridge that says, I am chosen, not forsaken. We want to hold on to that truth. But knowing that our God, who the Son sets free, will be free indeed. When we sing that, we declare it one voice as we wrap up tonight. One is good God. shared with us tonight, so powerful. And as we leave tonight, I just want to take this moment just to pray for you because it's so important, as Dan shared, it's one thing to know about God, uh, you know, know all these things about Him, but to know Him personally is radically different, to know His nature, to take on His character. Uh, Let me just share something very encouraging for you as we go about our week. You don't have the power or the strength to live the life that God wants you to lead. Now, let me just say this, you're probably thinking that's not encouraging at all. It's not until you hear this scripture that I read a little while ago and Dan mentioned it tonight. In Acts 5, it says this, we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom is given to those who obey Him. You don't have the power to live the life that God wants you to lead. That's why He's given you the Holy Spirit. You need Him. You need the Holy Spirit. And it says, the promise of God says that He'll give it to those who obey Him. So you've got a decision that you can make tonight. You can leave here and go back to your normal way of life. or You can go tonight and walk in obedience to the Creator and He will empower you by His Spirit to live the life that God wants you to lead. You don't have the power. You don't have the strength. The only way you can live the life that God wants you to lead is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God said, I will send you my helper. That is 
the Holy Spirit. So what are you gonna do? Tomorrow, tonight, will you, will I, will we walk in obedience to Him so that we can experience the helper, the power of the Holy Spirit that we so desperately need? It's really up to you. So you choose. Let's choose what we wanna do. But I hope that there's something in you that says, I wanna experience the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want that, walk in obedience this week and He will do extraordinary things through your life. Great God, we need You. We don't have the power. We don't have the strength. And there's some here that we're walking in the flesh saying, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. And it's falling in a heap because we can't do it. And so God, corporately now, we humble ourselves before You. Forgive us for trying to do this in our own strength. I don't have the strength or the ability. We don't have the strength or the ability. We need You. And I pray that as we walk in obedience this week, that You would reveal Yourself in ways that we've never experienced before. And I'm excited to see not what we can do, but what You are gonna do through us as we walk in obedience. God, we humble ourselves before You now. We repent, forgive us. I'm so sorry, Lord, for trying to do this in my own strength. I need You, we need You. And we wanna see what You can do, what You can do, Almighty God. We love You, Lord. We need You so much. And so help us, Father, help us, help us, Holy Spirit. That's Your Name, the Helper. Help us to walk in obedience to You, oh God, this week we pray. We love You, we worship You, and we pray these things in Your Name. Amen, amen. It's great to have you here, but you if you need prayer, please do not leave without getting prayer. We would love to pray for you. Uh, so great to have you online with us as well. God bless you this week as you walk in obedience to Him. You're gonna see the power of the Holy Spirit work in and through your life. I just think that's incredibly exciting. Have an awesome week and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. God bless.